Hello and welcome to another episode of If My Feet Could Talk. Um, I'm your host, Owen, also known as the Ultra Runner Matlow. It's been a while since uh, my last episode, uh, which was an absolute belter, by the way. There was so much love for it afterwards. Um, it's been it's been actually quite great. So a little catch up with me. Um, it's been a month since obviously we last caught up um, when I celebrated my thousandth day of running every day. Um, training has shifted up uh, to the next big race, which is the Southwest Traverse at the end of May. It just so happens that I've come down full of cold, not the vid before anyone thinks uh, otherwise, uh, which is always obviously great timing. Uh, so obviously I'll be taking it easy over the next few days until I can shift it. Um, I'm on a thousand and thirty-three days at the time of recording this. I'm running every day, um, so getting close to that three-year milestone. But we'll move on now to the next episode. My next guest is one of the, I think, one of the best uh, runners on the circuit. Uh, a former international road marathon runner. She now obviously finds herself on mountain trails uh, and many ultra marathons. You'll see her. Listeners and watchers, I give you the amazing Holly Stables. Here we go. Um, we are recording. Hello and welcome, Holly, to the podcast. How are you doing and how's the Stables family? All good? Oh, yeah, very good. Yeah, we're, we're struggling on. You're struggling on. Um, <laughs> how's, 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 how's the dog? More important. Oh, he's good. He's just here. There he is. Um, but yeah, he's just his usual arse of a self, really. Yeah. <laughs> He'll probably start barking in a minute because someone will not make a noise. Oh, that's all right. That's a part of uh, live recording and stuff. It's, it's, it's the realities of it. Um, exactly. So I know you're not a stranger to podcasts as you're one of the co-hosts of uh, the popular Marathon Talk podcast with Martin Yellow, uh, Yelling. So a big thank you for giving up your time uh, to chat with me today. I know it's quite busy at the moment for you at the moment. Um, so there may be a few people who haven't seen or heard of you uh before um so can you give us a brief insight on who you are and what you do so i am holly stables now i was holly rush i was holly may before that actually very early on um and i'm a i'm the asics um front runner community manager for the uk i have done that for maybe three or four years now um i'm also um a coach um to not many people a handful of people um, we also have our online coaching business as well where we do e-guides and programs and I'm also a coach for the app um, Runkeeper um, and I'm also an athlete myself I call myself athlete I guess I am still I was more elite than I am now so but I still race so that's, yeah. that's me that that you do and you race very well um, so let's go back all those years now um, so where did you grow up as a child and were you a sporty kid? So I grew up in Somerset where I live now. Um, I actually grew up in sort of in the middle of nowhere. So my father was a gamekeeper. So I was brought up on a farm that was literally in the middle of nowhere. I had a really lovely upbringing um, until my parents got divorced. Well, not until, I mean, it was fine then, but they divorced and obviously I had to move away. 
Um, but so I was brought up on a farm. Um, my love was animals, still is really. I wasn't into any sport. In fact, I absolutely hated sport at school. Um, I did, the only sport I did play was rugby, women's rugby, which I really loved. Um, but I didn't really do any running or anything like that. Um, and I definitely didn't like, with the exception of rugby, I didn't like team sports at all. And I probably still don't actually. And um, and so, yeah, so, um, and, and my love was horses. So I, I was just, yeah, my love was horses. I had horses at the farm and um, dogs and things like that. And, and actually I worked at a racing yard and that's what I did when I first started um, doing any sort of sport. I actually worked in Newmarket for a bit, at stables and uh, weekends, I would ride out for a local um, trainer um, and I wasn't doing any running at all. And, and I certainly wasn't in my early twenties um, any constructively. It wasn't until I went to university, that's when I did do the marathon so I was I say early 20s I, yeah I did do a marathon then but I wasn't a runner as such and it wasn't until my late 20s that I sort of got back into running I did a marathon once and that was it so when you're when you're in school did you like get forced to do the cross country and stuff like that like most kids did and like that's not for me no I was one of those kids that started the cross country I mean they probably don't do this now so I went to Wells Blue School if anyone knows that school in Wells and we would be sent out it's like there's a lot of countryside around us. We'd be sent out from the school to do our cross country. Um, like we, like none of the teachers would be around. They'd be like, right, go up there. This is the route you got around the quarry and then come back. And I was one of the kids that would get to the end, like get out of their eyesight, wait, and we'd sit on a rock or something. Um, and then we would wait till they came around and then join them coming back. That was the extent of our, my athletics. That's, that's ingenuity. That's not cheating. Yeah. That's ingenuity. That at that age. I mean, why wouldn't you? They're not going to see, are they? No, that that those is true. I never, I never got on with cross country myself. It was one of the things that put me off. Cross country was school, and I still don't like it now. Even though I like off road running, which is really mm. strange. Were there any family members that were sporting your family that possibly you've inherited some some sort of sportiness, even though it came out later? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, my father was um, very fit. In fact, he was a pro footballer for a bit before he um, started gamekeeping. So he was a really fit guy um, and loved sport, but um, he wasn't a runner as such. Um, no one, like my mum wasn't a runner either. Uh, my granddad was a runner, but really apart from that, no, I mean, my family background was football or boxing actually. So a lot of my uncles were, they were our army. So they did a lot of um, schoolboy um, boxing as well. And in the army, they did that. But no, there wasn't any running in the family. I was the, probably the first one, really. Okay. Um, so when, what did you do post-school years? You, you sort of touched on it uh, briefly there. But when you left school, what, what did you get up to? So, um, so when I was at university, I started working at Putney Leisure Centre because I was at University in London. Um, so I started working there because I joined the gym and um, I wanted to get free memberships, had no money, never had any money. Um, so I did my basic qualifications and I started working there. And so from there, I did sort of fall in love. That's when I sort of started falling in love with running or all sort of sport as such, not, not individual sports. Um, and so it, from there, after I did my degree, which I did a geography degree, it had nothing to do with sport. Um, that's when I decided to go straight from there to go off and do my sports um, qualifications. So I went on and did um, Premier, which is at the time was, well, it still is uh, one of the best personal training sort of 
sports training courses. So I went off and um, did a residential course with that. And I went on to do sports therapy and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and so I went and got, a, from there, I went on and got a job at um, uh, a big um, new leisure centre in Oxford. So I went and worked there and I managed the gym there. And that's where it all started. I mean, I, I went straight into sports jobs, really. Um, and then I moved back to um, Bath and I managed a health club here. Um, and that's where I stayed for quite a while. And then I, well, when I was back in Bath, I did my master's in sports coaching um, and sports co other sort of qualifications. So um, I've really actually always worked in sport. I've been really, really lucky um, and never really used my degree. <laughs> so you sort of um, threw yourself into the sporting world without actually being full-on sporty yourself at that point? Yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, I, I was running marathons. So I did my first marathon when I was in London because I watched London Marathon and I just said, um, I mean, I've told the story so many times, but I, I was like standing on the side watching the marathon with a pint of Stella in my hand I and a burger. That. And I said to everyone like, oh, I'm going to do this next year. Because I realised that obviously it wasn't all just elite people running. It was all sorts of different people. And I thought, um, I think you're just sort of, either that sort of person where you look at it and go this is my idea of hell or like oh I'm gonna give this a go it looks really cool so I said I was gonna do it and I did it and I did it the next year which was I always forget it's either 97 or 98 was the first year I did it um it was a horrible year it pissed it down with rain the year before was really hot and sunny hence I was standing outside with a pint of Stella um and um so I did it the next year and it rained and everything rubbed because I was wearing cotton t-shirt and I was wearing rugby shorts. Was that the was that a Mars marathon or a flora marathon back flora. then? Flora. Flora, it was flora back then. Yeah. And did you have to enter the the ballot? Was it no, no, I did it for the charity. I did it for Tusk Force, which of course was a nightmare as well, because I had to raise so much money, which as a student, I would go to parties with this. Um, this is back in the day when you had like a sponsorship form, a paper yeah. sponsorship form. So you'd Old go to school. parties, I'd get really ratted, passed around this cop, this form, get people to sign it, never got the money from them. And then I ended up having to find the money myself towards the end to get in, to get the place. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, this was back in the day when I probably had to make £4,500. So that was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did it for charity. So I was, I was really lucky to do that. Um, but yes, it was, it was a proper a rude awakening to running so um, and that's when when, when you when you when you took on that charity place was that the first time you really started getting into running and start finding your love for running oh yeah literally so the year before when I said I was going to do it I got an entry and then I started training I don't know how many weeks in advance that's when I joined Putney Leisure Centre because I thought I better join a gym or something because I didn't really I had no idea it's funny because I obviously realised I know lots of stuff now just just from doing it, not because I'm, quite, you know, I just because I've done it so much. Whereas I realise when I say all this stuff, there'll be a lot of people who haven't who don't know any of this stuff. So it is actually very sort of relevant. So I so I had no idea what I was doing. I entered a um, it was like the Leisure Centre 5K, which I did. And I entered Bath Half, which was the first sort of proper race I'd ever done because it was my local one. Again, I wore totally inappropriate clothing for that. Um, and then I did London Marathon. And the longest run I'd done for London Marathon was 15 miles. So I just thought, I'm just gonna have to, I'll just do it. So yeah, so that was really the only time I'd ever started running. And I had no plan. I just I just ran. I certainly didn't do any speed work or anything like that. I just ran. And how was how was that first race in Bath? 
your first ever race? Do you know, I can't even remember. It's so long ago. I've got a picture of myself coming into the finish line, like with my arms in the air, smiling. So obviously it can't have been that bad. No, you obviously um, enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, but the marathon I do remember quite vividly because yeah. the weather was so awful and I remember everything rubbed so badly. I mean, I couldn't wear a bra for about a week afterwards. I rubbed wow. so badly. Um, but I do remember thinking if when I do this, my aim is to not walk. So just try and run it all. Like, doesn't matter what pace, but just run it um, and, and get to the finish. And that's what I did. I had no idea about times, what was good or not. Um, I just wanted to finish. And there's pictures of me because all my family came, my, my granddad and my grandma. And there's pictures of me in my foil blanket, you know, in my ridiculous clothing. Um, and I'm just beaming. And I remember going back to my flat in London that I shared with my boyfriend and they all came back. And there wasn't very much room in there in the flat. So I sat on the floor to let everyone else sit on the sofa. And we all had, um, we were all drinking. I think they bought some champagne. We had champagne and we were watching the highlights on TV and I was chatting away and I turned around and they were all asleep. And I <laughs> thought that was so funny because I thought, I'm the one that's just done the marathon. But, and of course the next day I could not get down the stairs. Um, there was all these lessons that obviously I know about now, but it was just all just new to me. So um, when I, I, I remember the London Marathon being my first uh, first marathon when I, I did couch to marathon. So pretty much a bit, bit like you. Um, and I remember that feeling of standing on that, that start line with thousands and thousands of people. Um, can you remember that feeling of that first time you stood on that marathon? start line what it was like for you I know it's pissing down rain but actually I don't think it was pissing down rain when I started it what I do remember now just thinking about it I do remember that um that it took forever to get over the start line because I was right at the back and we had to snake through and I had no idea about that and it wasn't until I realized we'd gone under the start line that we started so yeah I mean it took probably 15 minutes or something which feels like an eternity as well, doesn't it? Yeah, which would like now would be like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I remember. So I don't remember there wasn't that sort of feeling when you're on a start like now and in a local half marathon or something and you're like, oh, go. It wasn't like that. It was like, go. And then nothing happened. And then you walk forward a bit. Then you walk forward a bit. So that that was it. But honestly, it's like, how many years ago is that? 25 years ago. Yeah. And obviously when you cross that line, apart from chase pretty much down to the bone yeah how how did it feel that the fact that you you've managed to achieve what you set out out, out to achieve that 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 finish line oh was, I was elated I mean but that's where it all started that's when my obsession started really it, it was really bad that year um and I and I completely overdid it um and then I backed off and then I sort of I didn't fall out of love of running but you know, life took over and that's when I started working in the health clubs and stuff. So I started sort of going down slight other, other avenues, but that marathon was definitely the, the turning point. So moving, moving forward, you, you, you obviously you've, you started training for um, another marathon uh, and more races and you started to look into your training and what you were eating. Is it safe to say that you found an unhealthy physical and mental relationship with food and training? Um, yeah, I mean, um, it probably wasn't food so much. Well, it did turn out to be food, but I mean, I definitely had an exercise addiction, um, which manifested itself in being constantly obsessed by how many calories I was burning. This was a lot of my stuff was gym based, remember, because I was in a gym. I did a lot of training on treadmills. 
um, and I was obsessed with, I had to burn so many calories a day. And that was like the, you know, so, so what happened is I started that race, that race I did, I was in 97 or whenever it was 98, where I just had no idea. I had, didn't care about what size I was or anything like that. I just, I was completely happy. And then I think what happened is after that, I kept on training and I started losing weight without even realize, you know, like trying. And I started losing weight and that turned a switch in my brain for some reason. And I started getting faster. So put it given to context, that first marathon I did just under four hours. So 3.57 or 3.59, something like that. And then the next year I went to do it and I ran like 3.15 or something. Um, and I broke my foot as well, which is a re another reason because I'd been under fueling, which was basically reds then or female athlete triad. So within that year, I'd gone completely mad and I'd had no one to tell me otherwise. So I thought more was better. And so I would train more. Um, I would burn more, you know, more calories. But it wasn't like I trained, like do speed work and stuff because I didn't really know what I was doing. I would just do more. So I would do more cardio. I didn't do any weight training. I just did more cardio. And then I'd start looking at what I was eating. So I just thought, well, actually, if I eat less here or I get the less calor calorific thing here, then that will help. And then before you know it, it's all encompassing, you know, it, it takes over your life. You know, all I thought about was how, when I, how, when am I going to go to the gym again? How many steps I'm going to do? Um, I say steps. I didn't, we didn't have stuff like that, but how, how, how much activity yeah. can I do? Where can I walk to? How can I restrict in this way? Blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah. And that's, and that's, that wasn't good. And, and this, this is, this is pre social media time. So it's not as if yeah. you were seeing, people on instagram doing exactly the same so you had no one it was literally no know, and I think this was just you wasn't it yeah but i think that also people say stuff to you like oh you're you're looking um you're looking really good or oh you've lost weight or um i remember when i first went to the gym <laughs> the first time i joined and the gym instructor used to have things called inductions gym inductions i don't know if they do them now probably not where they show you how to use machines and stuff mm. like that i think most people just get in and do it and so I had for my gym induction and I went with my friend and there was probably 10 of us in this gym induction. And the guy said, um, the gym instructor said, okay, do you want to get on the treadmills? And does someone want to get on the treadmill and we'll start it and show you. So I went on the treadmill and he said, which is something you would never do now. He said, how much do you weigh? Cause you have to put it onto the treadmill. And I told him, I had no idea, but I basically said I was like way less than I was. And he just went really like that because I was probably, I don't know how much I weighed, 10, 10, 10 stone or so, I don't even know, but, um, and then he said to me, really, are you sure? And was like, it was awful. I was in front of all these people and he just made me feel shit. Yeah. And then, I mean, I just don't think that would happen now, but that's what- did. Well, you like to think it wouldn't happen now, you know, but yeah, body shaming exactly. still goes on, doesn't I it? I know, exactly. And it's stuff like that. There was just loads of things, you know, that you just, I don't know where you can pinpoint that. That didn't make it me be funny about my food, but it's sort of, you know, when you see yourself losing weight and changing shape, um, it can really switch a uh, switch on in your head. And it is an actual thing. It can change your sort of kept mind chemistry and you can start seeing yourself differently. And that's the thing. I had such mad body dysmorphia towards the end. You know, I yeah. thought when I really wasn't I was really underweight and I was getting injuries I my periods had stopped um you know there was just so many glaring things you know so how 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 did you deal with all that how did you recover and well I dealt with it changes? to start with by just covering it up and just um not not showing that I was 
under eating because in the evenings I would eat like a proper meal but in the day I would restrict all day because there would be no one there seeing that um, I'm sure people in the gym saw it that I was constantly there like sweating on machines and it wasn't even like I was doing proper training it would just be like I'm just going to cross train for like an hour even though I'm not working hard enough but because the cross trainer told me I burn 800 calories which clearly I didn't either then that made me feel better and I had to hit that quota the other thing I'd say at that time there was quite an un- there was quite a few people in the gym who were similar so yeah. we were like quite unhealthy group of people, women doing the same thing. And so it validated what you were doing. Um, so that, I guess that was my social media. It was being there. God knows if social media had been on as well. I've just been way worse. Um, um, but I, I, I basically, I mean, this went on for a long time. I can't even, people ask me this and I can't even remember the timeline, but um, even when I did recover my weight and get better, it took me a long time to get over, you know, being under eating and over over exercising for a long period of time no I didn't have periods for eight years despite regaining my weight there was lots of issues you know Um, and as a result I had really bad I had really bad bone density which I've managed to reverse in my in my hips and almost in my back which is amazing Um, but that's taken years of work because of that just a a quick question did that affect your running style, the way you ran at that point? Um, no. It, your, 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 your style was, wasn't... Oh, I've any... always been, like, um, gates-wise, pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm pretty yeah. good. I'm a future runner. I've, no, I'm... That's, I mean, I had stress fractures because I was under-fueling. Yeah. Not because I had a bad running gait or anything. Oh, and I'd always wear... I wore racing flats pretty much all the time because they were light, so therefore I'd get run faster. It's insane. And I run on roads and pavements all the time, especially pavements. People don't realise pavements are concrete. Yeah, yeah. Tarmac. And actually tarmac is slightly more forgiving. But I ran on I ran on pavements all the time or treadmills in um, racing flats. I never went off road. Pre pre uh carbon shoes them as well, racing flats. Oh yeah, and my racing flats were as like basically I say racing flats because they were like paper thin. I used to wear a shoe called, and it was A6 actually, Tiger Paws, which were basically like, they're like, yeah. I don't know, Converse thick, you know? Yeah, I've still got a pair of raisin flats, which I, I blew off the dust every so often for a fast 5K tarmac for once in a while, but um, I oh rarely... My God, I, I think they feel awful now, actually. At the time, I was obsessed about having really like responsive, like daps that I could just bounce off the floor, but now I'm too old and my shock absorbers are completely you know shot I need some cushion <laughs> so moving on from there you've obviously you've changed the way you look at training and, and the way you eat and stuff like that yeah and ultimately you qualify for the international vest uh, in road marathons what was it like to be part of the Olympic uh, well, say Commonwealth Games sorry in Delhi and what does it mean to you to have international vests to your name um, well, my first international vest was actually in Singapore, the marathon, but my first um, like uh, games was the European Championships for Great Britain. And then from there, I qualified to go to the Commonwealth Games for England, which was, yeah, I mean, I never, ever expected to be anywhere near that sort of standard. Um, and let's be clear, the standard that I was running then wouldn't get me into the Commonwealth Games now or the, or the Europeans. Um, but at the time, I was ranked consistently sixth or seventh in the country at marathon which was you know great um and as a result I got selected to go to like we had there was some sort of friendly internationals which were great which means it's a great sort of stepping stone to go to uh especially a mixed sport event 
you know, like Commonwealth Games, it's very different um, to going to just just a European, um, you know, an athletics championships. Um, but yeah, to, to go to those were, you know, the trials in 2010 for the European champs were London Marathon. And, you know, we all knew what we had to do. I already had the qualifying time, but so did other girls. And we just, I had to come in the top six at London Marathon to be possibly selected. And that even wasn't a certainty. So in the race, I mean, that was probably one of the most exciting races. You know, we were, we were all running as a group for a long period of time. You know, everyone's checking each other out. <laughs> Who's going to go? And then one goes, and the next goes, and you're like, oh, hang on a minute. There's only like three of us left or whatever. And so it was real, that was really exciting. Um, and so to get in the top six that year and get the qualifying time again, and then get the call as I was at Paddington station, waiting to get on the train to say, you've been selected. You know, like that was the biggest, I just, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. And then you weren't, a, you weren't a young lassie then either. You weren't like a really young elite athlete. No, I was early, I was what, 31, 32, maybe 33, something like that, yeah. So... It came to you like later on in in, in life. Um, that must have been something something different if you're racing against younger athletes as well. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I would say that there was Joe Wilkinson, there was Michelle Ross Cope. They were all older. Um, we weren't all such Helen Davies. We were a reasonably older team actually. Um, but, you know, I, I hadn't really started taking it seriously until I was like 26, 27. So um, it was about it, it was about right, I think, sort of six years of properly of tra training. I say properly training, but I was injured every year with stress fractures. So my, I wasn't massively consistent, um, which is one thing that I would, you know, would like to have changed. I would love to have had some consistency to see what I could have run, but that didn't happen. So when did you lose the love for the road marathons? Where, um, and why why was that um so that was probably so after the europeans and then the commonwealth games in october that was a big year like we had three big marathons in a year which like now i'd be like oh yeah i do like marathons whatever but then that was that was a lot um i was t really tired but i wanted to i still wanted to pb and um I went and did, I can't remember what I did the year after, which marathons I did, but it basically got to 2012, where I, I kept on running the same times. I kept running 237, like within seconds. And so I decided that I was going to go and try a different marathon and train like a different time of year they, and, and go and do Houston in January 2012, which was the American trials as well. So I thought, oh, let's go that, It'd be great to experience that. So I went there and um, we thought maybe it was some weird thing that I just was obsessed with my watch or something. And I kept running because 237 is exactly six minute miling or 3.5King, whether it was something that was in my brain that yeah. I kept doing. So I didn't wear a watch. And um, I came around to the finish and there's quite a long finish in Houston. And basically I came around the corner and I could see the clock and it was 237 again. And I was just like, this is insane. <coughs> and then when I finished, I'd like also that was on it was all on concrete and my feet were ruined yeah and um I felt really disillusioned after that race I've got to be honest and then I tried I carried on that that summer um and I just yeah I just kept I was like one night on the track I just finished I stopped I had a really bad track session I just stopped on the side of the track and took my shoes off and just walked back and I said I've I'm, I need to have I need to stop I need to do something different I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all the training and the times and everything like that and hitting times. And I, I just was not 
I didn't like it anymore. And so that's when I decided to do something different. And that's when I went and booked this trip to Nepal and did was there for a couple of weeks doing this multi-day stage race, completely out of my comfort zone. Um, and I came back from that after meeting lots of different people, like non-road runners, trail runners, which I'd never heard of, or ultra runners. And, um, and I entered Comrades. And then that was, and then the next year I went to Comrades. So that was 2013. And that was my first sort of ultra. Um, and that's when it all, I changed, you know, I carried on doing the marathons, but I was looking to do other stuff, you know. You came seventh, was it? Or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I came seventh. But yeah, that was my first um, ultra. It's not, not bags and comrades. It's iconic in the ultramarathon world. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know enough about it until I got there. And I realised what it meant to South Africans and, and ultra runners, and the and the experience was like amazing. I mean, it really uh, like lit a fire in me. Anyone who's done comrades or has like watched it or seen any of it, like the start line, that gives you like goosebumps. Um, and you know the, how they're so passionate about the race, and yeah, it was amazing. Like, I loved it. It was really, it was hard. I mean, I'd be interesting to see what I would, how I'd feel about it now because I've done much longer stuff. But at the time, it was like this is a big deal. It's ninety k on road uphill, yeah. um, and it was a re- and it was one of the hottest years. It was really hot, and it was like, my God, how am I going to do this? Um, but I did it, and then that's it. I was like, right, what should we do next? Was it the up or down version you did? It was up. It was the up. So you did the harder versions, theoretically. Yeah, I mean, they say harder. It is it is harder, actually, on the day, but it's quicker to recover yeah. because the down is ruins your quads. Because when you're, when because obviously you'll drop, you, you, you run from the coast inland and then you have to get a bus back. And the bus, you're just like driving downhill all the way home. And you're like, my God, I've ran up here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's immense. So that was your first ultra marathon when mm. came seventh. What did you start to like about the trail ultra community that started to draw you in? Oh, well, I mean, I think the thing is, so when I went to Nepal and I met the the, the people that did, you know, stuff like that was um, like, no one really cared about your PBs or um, what races you've done or something. Everyone just talked about like what they'd seen that day and, um, you know, like, and sat around and had a beer afterwards. And there was like, there was no, um, there's no like bravado there's no um comparisons it's um i just felt like much more welcomed into that i'm not saying that road running isn't like that but it is a bit especially sort of elite road running i found it was a bit sort of dog eat dog and you never really sh- knew whether people were being honest with you and you know so that there's a lot of you know looking up and down whereas with the ultras it was a bit like Oh, that's really cool. Like just just being much more, you know, yeah. welcoming. Whereas um road running's a bit like you do the race and then you maybe hang around a bit, then you go home. But with ultras and stuff and the trails, it was, I don't know, it's just much more of a community feel. Yeah, everyone's, you know, the the fastest runners are still at the end, clapping the ones that are still yeah. out there coming coming in at the end. And you don't see that in the London Marathon. They've they've no. collected their prize check and gone to the pub where and exactly and honestly i think the ultras like especially really long ultras i don't think that you can really differentiate between like oh yeah the elite people at the front but actually the people who are um mid-pack or at the back they are almost more hardcore i think because it's a long old day sometimes for some of these people and i don't know if i'd want to be out there that long but they'll you know people come in and they're just like yeah you know what's the next race and, and i 
and I think that is I think that's amazing because I think it's really hard for everyone I'm not saying that 5k's or 10k's but like, let's be honest we're going to probably finish those whereas you do 100 or 50 or something like all of us going into that race are thinking well I could not finish this today quite easily um and that's something you will well yeah if you look at the recent uh arc race which obviously you were, yeah. you were down there for so many of the front runners you know yeah, I mean, didn't finish. finish or finish in the second half exactly yeah. it means nothing you know it's, it's so true like if you do a five or a 10k and the sort of people at the front they're probably going to stay at the front or you know they're going to finish they're going to be alive at the end of it or not maimed whereas with the ultras it's like just like what's i always say so what's your aim like well i want to finish and you don't say that when you do a 10k or a half marathon do you really no i mean obviously uh those that are starting out in the in the world of running that is their their goal is to finish their their whether it's their first 5k or whether it's their first 10k um and we've all been there we all started somewhere yeah uh, but like like you you said for for those that are stepping into the ultra world that is their first 5k their first 10k it's it's sort of when you first step on those those yeah. lines you it's it's like going back to the beginning again almost you know that chance of failure is quite high yeah exactly and it doesn't matter but i'm just saying it doesn't matter how no. good you are or anything anything can happen you know yeah. when i did mb it was like genuinely i just want to finish it because i possibly couldn't yeah and obviously the weather conditions can change your whole your whole day can it you know yeah if and also i think with ultras as well a lot of it is your mental um fortitude like how good you are um because you could be as fit as a flea but the same in marathons to be honest but you can be as fit as a flea, but if you're not mentally on it and strong or having a bad day, then you could that could quite easily stop you from finishing or doing what you want. So it doesn't, you don't have to be the fittest, most prepared athlete in that respect. But if you're not mentally strong, then you probably won't finish. And, then, uh, and going back to the, the, the elite side of it, there's not many start lines uh, in the road side of things where you can look to your left and say, oh, there's Damien Hall. Or, no, there's Holly, there's, oh, there's, yeah. you know, Killian, what have you, yeah. all on the same start line as the backpackers yeah. right there, you know? So it's, it's, I find that's quite a nice thing as well, where you know, I never see Mo Farah. He, yeah. He's way up, he's way at the front on the start yeah. line, you know, all these, yeah. all the competitioners and the, and, the, and the elites are way up in front where I'm towards the back of the eighth wave or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So that then brings us on to your more recently uh races and you you won the autumn 100 miler crewed by our good friend uh, gary house firstly well done on that um hey, having, to put, having to put up with gary for yeah. over 100 miles is like is you know no no he, he just he paced me for the last 25 miles to be fair <laughs> but he still had to see it oh yeah. i know <laughs> exactly and i really felt that i my banter game wasn't at his best when I saw him. You know, I really wanted to have a bit of a dance. Yeah, yeah. At night, because it was like Saturday night. But I, it was a struggle. I could I could run, but that was about it. But yeah, I've but First of all, well done on that, uh, that victory. Thank um, you. And obviously your recent successes. I guess the race went to, went to plan, but has there been any races recently that haven't quite gone to plan and you, you've learned stuff from? Well, it didn't actually go to plan because I wanted to go for the record. 
Um, and I'd openly said that because I thought, no, I'm going to say this is what I want to do. And the record is really bloody hard. So all, you know, the, the lady that has it, it's really good record. Um, but I knew pretty early on that that wasn't going to happen. I I did London Marathon two weeks earlier and ran much quicker than I thought I was going to run because I was training for 100, not a marathon. And I think maybe that had taken out a little bit too much out of my legs. In hindsight, doing a, doing a marathon on road two weeks before 100 probably wasn't a good idea, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, so it didn't go quite to plan, but I, it still, I still, it was my B plan that it went, it, it was so, so I, I was pleased at the end of it. You know, you've got to be pleased with you with 100. Um, but in terms of races that haven't gone to plan, um, oh, there's been many over the years, like obviously all the marathons that I ran, which were exactly the same time within seconds, they were like, I know outwardly people would be like, oh, that's an amazing race or time. But I knew that I'd put in so much work and different preparation. I changed things to make myself quicker. And my half marathon had got quicker, which really suggested I could run quicker. So those were always disappointments to me. Um, but I still value them because they're, you know, they're there and I've done them and they taught me things. Um, but I guess the race that really was by my nemesis really and I talk about a lot it was UTMB um again but to be fair that race I had no right really being in that race when I'd fractured my foot only like six weeks prior um I had no place being there but for some reason my body let me do it and it's not something I would recommend people to do but I spent a lot of time on a bike in the Alps because I, I stayed out there for a bit maybe like a month before to train and um and so the race was really hard, like mentally and physically really, really hard and like properly broke me in many ways. I'm just going to open the door because this dog is... Yeah, busy. yeah, but... Oh, sorry. That's all right. Oh, there you go. Um, and so, so that race was definitely not the race I wanted, but actually I was super proud of myself. And I think it's a really important thing to say to yourself sometimes. I was really proud of myself because I finished it and I got it done and I persevered despite feeling like the biggest pile of shit ever. I was being sick and had diarrhea from 20 miles in. I was so bad. You know, I there were so many people that really helped me in that race. Like my friend Sophie Grant, I don't know if you follow her who's in a great ultra runner, like her and her husband were, she was doing the same race and I, she ran with me for a bit because my head torch wouldn't work on the first night. It was just, I was really bad and she stayed with me and and then um, she went on to do really, really well, like she always does. But, um, and then they'd helped out with my sickness. They gave me anti-nausea tablets at um, Champagne Lac. And it was just like, yeah, it was, I, I could have easily stopped, but I didn't. And so therefore I always reflect back on that race whenever things get hard. Cause I just think, you know, I did that race feeling awful and it took me 30 hours, um, but I did it. So therefore I can probably do anything else. You, you mentioned, you mentioned you had diarrhea. Did you have any Paula Radcliffe moments during that race? Did I have any Paula Radcliffe? Are you joking? I had Paula... to my shorts twice. <laughs> all I did was shit all the way around. Like, no, it wasn't a Paula Radcliffe. That would have been, that would have been a dream. No. <laughs> I was shitting from 32k. Sorry, Joe. I, I have I have yeah, been there, but not 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 in UTMB. But uh, I have been there where I have filled my pants because my tummy was upset, and it's not oh, yeah. a pleasant, not a pleasant feeling. No, I literally had to change my shorts twice. They were that bad. The chafing was beyond. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
it's horrendous chafing when it when it comes from that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So if you could go back and speak to the younger Holly about to take part in her first London marathon, what would you tell her? Oh, if I was taking part in my first London marathon. So yeah, like, if you were to I go back in time in. to speak to the younger Holly. Yeah, I've just got in on the ballot, which seems like no one has, but anyway. Um, oh, congratulations. No, no, I mean, if oh, I had. Yeah. No, I have. I am running for, I am doing London marathon. But all the people that haven't got in on the ballot, or it just seems like there's so many of them. So I'm one of these people say that I've just got in the ballot. I've never run a marathon before. It's in October. What would I tell myself? Um, probably wear suitable clothing because I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but I, this is all stuff I think is much more, you know, easily, readily available. I would get, um, if I would obviously need to start just being getting used to running miles if you've never really, because there's a lot of people that have got a place who've never really done any running at all. They've just entered and really annoyed all the people that have been trying for years and years and years to get in. But, you know, if, you, if you've not started running, start running. <laughs> if you are a runner and you've been running lots of marathons and it's your first London marathon, um, yeah, just start getting, I mean, I would say as a, as a beginner, you need something like 16 week plan um, that sort of takes into account your lifestyle, uh, whatever that is, if you're a busy working person and you've got kids or you've got other responsibilities, you need to take that into account um, and um, pick some races as preparation. So like pick a half marathon, maybe a 10K early doors, always bought, be more specific uh, the closer you get to the race. So the four, 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 five weeks before a race, be more specific to the distance and just increase your miles and um, and you should you should be absolutely fine. But definitely wear the right clothing because it's like the right it can make or break you. It's so easy, but people make that mistake. Wear the right clothes and the right shoes and the right socks and you'll be fine and practice your nutrition. Don't just start eating gels on the day because that was the guy I ran with for the first London Marathon for quite a long time. He ran with a but not held a banana the whole way. He never ate it. He just <laughs> ran it in his hand. So are you going to actually ever eat that? Um, not that I would ever eat a banana in a race. Like eating fruit for me in a race is the biggest no-no. Um, but yeah, I mean, so remember when I started marathons, we didn't have gels. It was Lucozade. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And you run, try and run with a bottle of Lucozade. I used to have to, I run past my friend's house who was like the farm further down. And I used to say to her, can you leave a bottle of water or Lucozade out at the bottom of your lane? And I'll get it on the way out and I'll get it on the way back. There was no hydration pack yeah. like that. I, I tell you what I did do is, um, God, this is coming back to me. We did have those bottles. Do you remember those bottles? If you still get them, where you put your hand through them, the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to get those and I'd get my dad's belts, leather belts, and I'd thread a couple through there and run with that. And then food, I had those Lucasade tablets. Do you remember you used to be able to get them? Yeah. It would like they were like chalk in your mouth. So I'd have them. And then and then gel, then I sort of discovered gels and it was high five. And then I, I sort of started using them. But I, certainly in my first year, I didn't. I mean, people have so much information now. You know, there's no excuse for some of this stuff. You should be able to find everything. Um, but then I, I didn't. It was sort of like give it a go and see what happens. Um, but yeah, definitely get the right equipment. So before we move on to the 10 quick fire questions, let's just talk about the community that you've helped to build within the ASICS frontrunner scheme. Um, yeah. I think we should mention that. Um, for those that don't know what the ASICS frontrunner um, community is about, just can you give us some, some bit of information and all that and what you mean? Well, the ASICS frontrunners are a global community. It's not just the UK. We've got like 30 countries now, and it's been going since 2010. 
in Germany, um, but in the UK it's been four years now. And we are basically a group of um, ambassadors for the brand, for ASICS, so they are exclusive to ASICS, uh, a bit like other running brands have now. Um, and um, basically our mission is just to get people moving, to get people running, and we just encourage people. Um, and so our presence is felt at quite a lot of events. Well, again, the last two years it's been hard, but um, at events, at park runs, um, at lots of activations that we do all over. Um, and I mean, if you go to many countries, you will see ASICS frontrunner teams. I mean, Germany, they're really well recognized. It's insane. I think it's like 150 of them. In the UK now, we have 54 just up until up recently. Um, and so, yeah, we are just a running community um, and our, our mission is just to encourage people to run and enjoy it and move. It doesn't have to be marathons, it doesn't have to be ultras, it doesn't have to be 5Ks, it can just be a mile. Um, and so that's our mission. And how did you get yourself involved in it? So I was a, an athlete, a sponsored athlete for ASICS. Um, before that, I was with Saucony. And it was just by accident I got asked to step in for Tim Don, actually, who was a, tri who was a triathlete, um, to do um, a world record attempt to run around Mont Blanc. Um, as a relay and they asked me if I could step in at the last minute um, and this was for ASICS and I wasn't with sorry I'd um just um I just uh left Saucony and so I went to this uh this uh, event with ASICS and um and then they signed me after that as an athlete so so I was with them for from I think it was 2014 so I've been with them since 2014. So I was an athlete and then um, I worked for England Athletics at the time and I got made redundant and this job came along and they said, what do you think? And I was like, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And, then, and the rest is history. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> right, so we'll move on to the 10 quick fire questions. All right, uh, this often digresses anyway and not always that quick, but I like <laughs> to do them. Uh, so first of all, Question number one, what is your favourite snack on a long run or ultramarathon, one that you love to have? Well, I think everyone knows this. It has to be a mini pork pie. Oh, nice. Any specific type of pork pie? Um, well, either a Melton Mowbray or the Sainsbury's ones. They're really good. Anything that's quite soft, yeah. like the really hard pork pies are not so good. Um, but the soft mini pork pies are um, fabulous. Good choice. Um, is there a favourite bit of kit you sort of need to take with you pretty much on all your races, is it like a buff or a certain type of trainer shoe or hat or so, anything like that? Oh, well, I always wear, I will always be seen with my Sunto 9 watch because um, I love it. I just love, I'm not affiliated to Sunto or anything. I've just always worn Sunto because I absolutely love their mapping app. Mm. So I can be anywhere in the world and jump out of the hotel or camper van and map a route and put it on my watch straight away and then off I go. It doesn't have all the snazzy maybe stuff like Garmin might have, but for me, it's the mapping tool is amazing. Excellent, okay, Marmite, yes or no? Yes, but I'm not crazy about Marmite. I wouldn't have Marmite, I don't have, I have it in my drawer, but it's not something I have all the time. If there was a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Um, a young Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, nice. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. What has been your favourite race ever so far? Oh, that's so difficult. She's 
she's just thinking everyone yeah <laughs> oh yeah sorry because it's okay favorite that's really difficult because there's loads of memorable ones but favorite yeah is probably <sighs> sorry bear with me probably the Cotswold way 100 nice Mm. Um, what, it was beautiful. What or where is your happy place? Uh, Nepal. Nepal. Um, a song that would describe you. Um, oh God. Pete, what song would describe me? Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> what, Killing in the Name of? Killing in the Name of, yeah. I've got a couple of suggestions, but I wouldn't want to say them. Yeah, you can say whatever you want, Pete. No, go on, tell me. Uh, I'm an asshole by Dennis Leary. <laughs> Did you hear that? What well, was that one again? I'm an asshole by Dennis Leary. Nice. So, come on, a proper one. <laughs> Anything off the Anoli soundtrack? Yeah, no, I, there's lots of things I, I like to listen to. I like the... Um, Jan Tiersen's um, music from the Amelie soundtrack. I use that a lot on Instagram. It's just playful French weird music. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Or, or something like from Rage Against the Machine. I love that. Have you ever ranced during a run? Have I ever what? Ranced. What's ranced? Oh, you, when you mean Gary? Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you run, uh, dance during a run. Rant. Um, during a race? Well, or during the eve run. Um... Stopped and had a quick dance. No, I haven't actually. Maybe I should. I know. Yeah. It'll open, it, seriously, it'll open your mind to other things. I mean, I sing. Like if I if something comes, well, that's on, a start. Yeah. Okay. So if I got something in my ears, because I listen to well. So me and Gary have really similar soundtracks on Spotify. We have like quite similar music taste. Same sort of we're uh, coming from like like raves and stuff. So because that's that's another thing that I did back in the day, probably more than any sort of training, <laughs> going out to nightclubs. I think that's where I get my endurance from, if I'm honest, from staying up all night, um, you know, taking loads of synthetics and then coming back on a Monday night. It just really helped my endurance. Um, so, yeah, so that's so, yeah, I've done, yeah, I sing. That's a start. Seriously, <laughs> once, you've, once, you've had, once you've had a little dance, doing a run, it will open your mind to another thing. <laughs> what is your favourite cake? Cake. Well, it, can I say a pastry? Yeah, go on. I love an almond croissant. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it, do you have a bucket list race that you just want to do, but you haven't done yet? Western States 100. Oh, nice. So moving on, that was our 10 quick fire questions. Um, oh, that was quite quick. That wasn't too bad, actually. What's, what's on for future races for you? What's your future calendar looking like? Well, I've got in th three weeks time. Is it three weeks time? On Sunday, uh, Manchester Marathon. Yeah. Um, and then I've got oh Brighton the weekend after, but that's work, so I'll be doing the 10k probably. But yeah, running. But the main um, race I have is TDS, which is part mm. of the UTMB series. Um, again, Gary's doing that, so we're going to take is. him down. Um, and. So that's that will be. I'll have done the OC. I've done CCC, UTMB, and then hopefully done TDS. So I just need to the OCC, then I've ticked them all off. Um, and then I've got. Oh, I'm going back to the Hammond Line, which is what I did last year. Which oh yeah, another one. After that race, if anyone, the Albion races are interesting. I should say the least. Um, but they're 
really good and I want to go back because I got the women's course record but I was really close to the men's course records I'd love to get the men's course record anyone's listening get any men out to do that um so I've got that then I've got TDS and then I've got um London Marathon and I'll be in a new age group so I'll be extra old (laughs) and then not extra 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 old but extra old um, and then I've got Arc of Attrition in January for my sins. You have, and I will see you there, along with Gary. Gary's I know. The... He's really annoying at the moment because he, he's, like, copying me and everything. Well, he, I kept and... trying to convince him to do it, and he kept saying no because it's, like, too far south or it's oh, it's too cold yeah, for him or up. it's too hot for him. Or he'll come up with some excuse. And then when I posted that we were both on the start line, he yeah. then said, oh, so am I. So are I you like, doing 100? Yeah. Oh my word, it's insane. Have you been on that course? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that I've been down there every like loads of years and seen it, and every time I'm like, that's I've got absolutely no problem watching them go through Port Levin and then going to the pub. Absolutely no problem. I don't feel bad at all. And then something happened this year. I watched it, and then the next day, I'm on the sort of blower to Fergie, and I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, I think, no, I think he messaged me saying like, oh, you know, if there's any races, any of our races you want to do, just let me know. And then he was giving me all these examples and none of them fitted because I've got other stuff on. And then I was like, well, I suppose I could do the arc. I didn't he's even very think. convincing. He is, yeah. Berg. Yeah, he's very convincing. He he once made me, after I ran from North Wales to South Wales, finally doing his way <laughs> and uh, off his dike, he, he convinced me to do the plague straight after, the day after. Because uh, I what? thought that was a bright idea, do a 100k race after 291 miles. Well, you actually did the race, you mean, the day after? Yeah, I uh, did go well. No. No, I got that's... I got about seven miles in and I was like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be really good, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's re- it, it is a really good, it's a really good weekend as well, just for just for drinking and everything else, like afterwards. Yeah, um, I know. But, oh, but I mean, the, 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 the Cornish coastline in January as well, I mean, that's the killer. I think there's, you're running more in the darkness aren't you than yeah. in the light yeah i mean they had a good year this year of weather yeah they um, did so uh, fingers crossed it's it's just as good this next year well but, you know it's going to be apocalyptic don't you yeah it'd be like 2016 that, that was a yeah. that was a storm year that year yeah. as well well i've already told gary that he needs to put a bit of timber on because i need him to pace me <laughs> <laughs> he's become a windshield yeah, well, he said that he could he'd try and pace me at Manchester and hang on for as long as he could. And I said, the thing is, though, you just need to be a lot bigger. You're absolutely no use to me because you're probably smaller than me. <laughs> yeah, he probably is, actually. Yeah, he's such a fair. little wee man. Um, uh, moving on, uh, do you have any words of advice for beginners that are just starting out in the running world? Oh, well, it's just really obvious. Just really enjoy it and remember, like, why you've started it. I mean, I hope you started it for a good reason not for a bad reason not because someone's told you to do it or told you that asked you how much you weigh to get on a treadmill don't you know do it for the right reasons and um, never forget that reason you know I know everyone says the why but you know remember why you started running because you know it's something joyful and it makes you feel really good because I mean you know how many how, how many of us go out for a run no matter how long it is it could be a mile it could be 30 miles and you feel most of the time better than when you started and and that's the whole point of running isn't it and if you get to a point where you're not feeling like that then you need to maybe think about why 
so just um try and remember why you started and um and uh, yeah and 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 remember that pleasure you have and and also use it for like meeting up with friends um don't always feel that you have to be you know going out running on your own or um doing sessions do things like I love doing stuff like running to somewhere and then maybe getting a train back or a bus back or someone picks me up so running for to somewhere for lunch for breakfast to meet a friend or running back from somewhere um you know so many things you can do don't you know this is all the stuff that when I started running it was all just like track sessions on a Tuesday this 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 there's so many more fun things to do there's so many great races to do you don't have to do road races you could do obstacle races you could do park runs you could do bark runs you can do oh, all sorts of stuff um so yeah just do pick the things that make you happy brilliant and um if people don't know already where they can find you on social media where whereabouts can they find you um, they can find me on Instagram. I am Rush by Nature, and um, I'm the same on in, on in, on Twitter. I think, although I'm not that vocal. Oh, dog, sorry, I'm not that vocal on Twitter. Um, and you can also find our website, which is again RushbyNature.com, and that has lots of information about um, coaching, our programs, and our e-guides on training and lifting, because um, that's my other passion. Um, and, um, and yeah, and where you can, you can find more information on there and blogs and things like that. Brilliant. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you, uh, Ollie. Um, we'll have a quick finish chat once I've finished, uh, once I've paused uh, the recording. But mm. for now, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing to finally catch up with you. Um, all the best for your future races. I hope they go well. And uh, I'll, I'll no doubt chat to you on Instagram at some point. Thanks very much. What an amazing uh, chat that was. I do feel very honoured, humbled and privileged uh, when I get these amazing humans um, onto my show for a chat. Uh, Holly is such a down-to-earth person and a fantastic runner. Hope you all enjoyed watching or listening as much as I did chatting to Holly. Please share, subscribe like review um the podcast uh if my feet could talk on any of the apps or um whatever however you watch and listen to it it'd be much appreciated but that is the end of today's episode so thank you everyone for listening and watching until next time on if my feet could talk i'm owen also known as the ultra running matlow until next time